All right. So hello and welcome to the From Green to Gold podcast. Today I have Scott Deluzio with me. He is the author of Surviving Sun book and also the host of Drive On podcast. So thank you so much for joining me today. No, thank you. I really appreciate this opportunity to come on your show and share my story and experiences with you and your audience. So I connected with Scott because it was around the time that I was writing my book that I noticed that he had just published a book about losing his brother. So if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about what made you decide to write that and just the emotions and everything that took place during that time. Yeah, so uh, just kind of a little background on uh, the loss of my brother. So he and I both served in Afghanistan in 2010. Uh, We were both there at the same time, and he was tragically killed in action. Uh, His unit got ambushed, and he was uh, hit pretty early on in that ambush, and he was killed pretty much instantly. Uh, So after coming home, I dealt with a lot of the typical grief struggles that a lot of people deal with. Um, And in addition to that, I also was dealing with the stresses of combat that I had just experienced. Uh, Literally the same day that my brother was killed, about 20 minutes after finding out that he was killed, my own unit was uh, in a firefight as well. And so I had to process that. And I also had to process the grief of my brother all at the same time. And it was really, really hard when I got back home to deal with all of that stuff. And and then also adjusting back to civilian life, not living in a war zone and facing combat on a a regular basis. It it was hard to juggle all of the stuff at once. And I knew that my mind, all of our minds play tricks on us over time that we start to forget things and forget details. And as terrible and tragic of an event that that all was I didn't want to forget the things that I did while I was in Afghanistan and and the things that I felt uh, or saw or did or you know I didn't want to forget any of that stuff so I started just writing things down it wasn't in any particular format it was it was just like as it came to me I would write it down and so the book really started back early on when I first got back from Afghanistan back in late 2010, maybe early 2011, when I was just jotting down these notes. Um, And a few years ago, I was looking back at some of those notes, and I thought that it should be more than just notes that were sitting in an old notebook, hiding away in a drawer somewhere. Uh, It was a story, not only was it my story of my experiences in, in combat and the stuff that I took part in, but it's also my brother's story. And that was a huge driver for me for writing this book and publishing it and getting it out there because I know that he's no longer here to tell his story, to be a, a agent of change in anybody's life or anything like that. He, he can't do that. He's just not here to do that. And so I thought the next best thing would be for someone who knew him closely, you know, his brother obviously is pretty darn close. And so uh, for someone like myself to tell his story and hopefully it will help other people who have experienced 
a similar kind of loss, whether it be a combat death or other military related death. Um, but also the people who maybe have never experienced that, maybe it'll help them to understand a little bit about what these military families go through when their families are deployed, when one of them doesn't make it back home, how it affects the, the families, the, the people who are in their lives, the communities that they lived in, um, you know, how it just overall affects everybody. And that way, you know, we can maybe be a little more uh, empathetic towards each other and understand where each other are coming from. And so, uh, you know, I thought if, if that was, you know, what comes out of this book, uh, then that's great. I also shared my struggles and the things that I did wrong in terms of my grief and uh, how I coped with things. I, I shared the uh, the times that I would drink too much and sleep too little and the anger issues that I dealt with poorly uh, and how I eventually learned that it's okay to go and ask for help for whatever it is that you're dealing with, whether it's the grief or it's the, uh, the PTSD or whatever you might be dealing with, it's okay to go and ask for help. And it's okay to go back and ask for help again if that original help seems like it needs some additional work on you, right? So, um, you know, that's really the reason why I wrote the book, um, kind of a little bit of that background. Um, but ultimately, it's to have a message that uh, lives on, obviously, well beyond my my brother's lifetime, but also my own, and so that this story can can live on for years and years from now. I love that, and I think it's important too. And it's been really fascinating to see more and more veterans deciding to step out of probably their comfort zone because we're all told to suppress our emotions and not feel anything, and then we get out and we're like, okay, now what do we do with all of these emotions? Right. <laughs> So I think it's really wonderful to see so many veterans, whether in the form of a nonfiction or a fiction, being able to take those tons of experiences and emotions and events and being able to put it somewhere instead of keeping it bottled in. Um, do you feel like as you were working through the book, did you mention, because um, you talked about like different therapy and asking for help, did you start realizing that more so as you were writing or how did that come you know, I started seeking some treatment uh, a little while after I got back from Afghanistan. Um, I noticed that I was just not myself, the, the same, not the same person that I was before deploying. And I didn't like the person that I was becoming. I was, like I, I mentioned, I was angry all the time. I would just blow up at people for the littlest things that most people just let that type of thing roll off their, their uh, back and it wouldn't even be an issue. Uh, but for me, the smallest minor inconveniences would just set me off. And I realized like, I, I don't want to be this type of husband to my wife. I don't want to be this type of father to my kids. I, I don't want to be this type of person, period. And something needs to change. And I, I can't expect that all of the frustrations in life are going to just disappear, right? Because that's not reality. That's not life. You can't just make those things disappear. So if I can't control that, I need to control myself and I need to uh, get the help that 
will help me get past this. Um, and so initially I went to the vet center and they did some incredible work with me uh, over the course of about a year and a half uh, or so and uh, really helped me get a handle on, on certain things. Um, and then a couple of years later, uh, after I stopped going to the vet center, um, you know, I, I thought I was, you know, maybe not 100% back to where I was before, but I was getting better. And I, I figured I could maybe manage this on my own. Um, I, I noticed that I was slipping into some of those old bad habits again. And I was, I was drinking more and more, I was getting depressed, I was, you know, dealing with the symptoms of, of PTSD and, and everything. And, and so um, I started going back to, uh, to therapy. Um, to be completely honest, I still go to therapy. I, I deal with that even to this day, almost 12 years later, after uh, getting back from Afghanistan. And, and it's, it's something that I think, and I write about it in the book as well. Uh, I think it's one of those things where it's, it's a process. And you can't expect a quick one and done fix for something like this. Like if you were to break an arm or a leg or something, you go to the doctor, you get the cast put on. And after a few weeks, they take it off and boom, you're healed and everything's good to go. Um, but your mental health and, and the things that you're, you're going through in your life is not a one and done type of fix, like uh, healing a broken bone or something like that. So I think so it's people, okay to go sorry back. not to cut off, but I think of, no, go ahead. If you mentioned the broken bone. I think of, you know, when people have to relearn how to walk again, sometimes they're going to do great. And then it might take months. It might take years for some people. It is a lifetime journey to learn how to rewalk. And it's just, it's everybody's injured different when it comes to mental health and like being able to acknowledge, like you mentioned that it's not just a one and done thing is so important. Yeah, it is. And that's why people like physical therapists still have a, a job, right? Because there are people who need to relearn to walk and it does take time. Um, you know, it's not a quick fix for that type of thing. But I think the same thing with the mental health, uh, you know, as long as you're willing to put the work in, the process will work for you, uh, but you, you have to be open to it. And, um, you know, if you just go in there with a, a bad attitude and, and think, oh, this is never going to work for me. Well, you're probably right it probably never will work for you, but you need to go in with a uh, more positive mindset and, and go into this uh, thinking that you're doing this for a reason. Give yourself a reason. Maybe it's your, your family, your, your kids, your wh whoever it is that you want to be a better person for. Say, okay, I'm doing this for that person. So now it's bigger than just you. You're not just improving you for, for the sake of, of doing it because we're our own worst enemy sometimes. And we, we fight our, ourselves. We, we talk down to ourselves. We do all that kind of stuff to ourselves. But when it comes to other people, like I jump in front of a bus for my kids, like I would, I would do anything for them. Uh, so I look at it this way, like, okay, I'm doing it for them. I, I'm, I'm doing it so that they have the best dad possible. And if I don't do this and that's not, going to be realistic. They're not going to have a, the best dad possible. They're, they're going to have a dad, but you know, it's not going to be a great experience for them. And I don't want that for them. And that's, I think that's really important too, because like you mentioned, like we are our own worst critics. And when things are going hard or when we're not seeing the results that we want to see, we have to be like, yeah. but my son or, but my wife or, but you know, whoever. Yeah. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. Um, what would you say 
overall has been the best for you? Like any certain like experiences or being able to be writing your book or your podcast? Like, what do you feel has been the biggest impact from like working through therapy and moving past, not necessarily moving past this chapter, because that chapter will always be there and like, Mm -hmm. it'll still be sitting with you, but moving through it and continuing on. Yeah, there's a a few things actually. Uh, Doing the podcast has been incredible because I've been able to talk to people like you and uh, all these other uh, people that I've talked to. And I get to hear their stories and the things that they've done uh, when they've been going through tough times. And sometimes it it sparks a little, uh, you know, little idea in the back of my head, like, I haven't tried something like that. Why don't I try something like that too? Um, As a matter of fact, uh, one of the guests that I had on the podcast early on uh, was a guy that I served with in Afghanistan, and he was going to therapy and he decided to try art therapy. And so he he got into it and after the first class he was hooked he went out to the store and he bought all the the paint supplies and all the everything and he just locked himself in his room or in somewhere in his house and he was just cranking out paintings left and right and and he was so enjoying it and he said his mood had never been better uh since being in afghanistan after coming home uh it, than when it was when he was painting and so I was like, okay, well, I haven't picked up a paintbrush probably since elementary school. So uh, let me give it a shot. You know, wor- worst case scenario, it sucks and I throw it away and it, no big deal. I didn't, I didn't waste anything except for a little bit of time and, and, you know, a little bit of paint here, here and there. So let me give it a shot. And I found that when I was, when I was painting, I would kind of just get lost in the moment in what I was doing. And none of the other stuff that usually would bother me would bother me while I was, I was painting or, or sketching. I would, I would get like a sketchbook and pencils and stuff. And I would just sketch because I'd be focused so much on what it was that I was doing. None of the other stuff really seemed to matter anymore. And it was interesting because uh, for years I would have times when uh, I'd, I'd have flashbacks to stuff that happened in Afghanistan or, or stuff that happened afterwards when, uh, you know, we were, having the funeral and everything for, for my brother, there'd just be these, these things that would creep into my mind. And I found that when I would be painting or sketching, uh, those things didn't seem to creep in, into my mind anymore. Um, now, obviously I can't be painting 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So it's not next Picasso. The perfect thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but it's, it's not the perfect solution yeah. either, but it does help. It, it, gets me moving in that right direction. And so, uh, you know, when I wrote the book, uh, it was actually difficult for me to write the book because certain things that I describe in the book, um, you know, talking about my brother's death and, and stuff like that was a hard thing to revisit. But at the same time, it allowed me to process through the emotions that I was feeling and, and, kind of give it a little bit of closure, um, you know, as I was writing it, because once when I, I wrote it, I knew, okay, this is it, this is, this is done. And I, I don't have to revisit this at, at this point, because I, I can go back and, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's written down now, I don't have to write this again. So, um, you know, in some weird way, it did give me a little bit of closure. So that was helpful, too. And 
so so yeah there's a few things uh you know between the podcast and painting and uh and writing the book I, I think a lot of that has helped me um again I'm still going to therapy and and that is helping as well uh I'm not a hundred percent I I still have some stuff that needs to be worked on and I get that um I may never be back a hundred percent to the same person that I was but I don't know that any of us really would be through any experiences that we have. We all change and we evolve and grow over time. And, you know, maybe it's not realistic to think that I ever will be the exact same person that I was 12 years ago. Uh, I'll, I'll be, I'll be a different person, but, you know, maybe a more mature grown person than, than I was back then. I love that. And I think it's true. It's, it's really fascinating to see like, how like I, I had my equine therapy session back in January. I'm still trying to get myself set up with one where I'm at right now. But I remember saying like, I want the old, like I miss the old me, but like, if we're honest, like we'll never be regardless of traumatic events. We're never going to be the 21 year old us or the 19, right. like we're just, we're, we're in our thirties or forties or however old we are. Like we're just, we're, we've gone through life in general. So like you mentioned, like we're we will never be a hundred percent who we used to be before the trauma, regardless of the trauma. So I think that's something that's good to think about. Um, but also like you mentioned with all the different ways that you can, you can work with your health. Like I am not very great with like painting, but one of the things that I'm trying to work back to is getting my hobbies back. Like yeah. I I've turned a lot of like my website design photography and things like that. Those kind of just turned into jobs and I lost that passion where it used to just be a free flow state of mind. And there is something really beautiful about just being able to escape. And it could be for hiking or, you know, breath work. And I've seen a lot of really great experiences that like veterans are creating. Like there's like a, I forgot who they are. I'll have to like add them to the show notes, but there's a couple of different, like there's like yoga retreats that like veterans are doing I was like look at y'all like I'm so proud of you for like realizing the importance of just being so I think that's really cool um yeah, you... and there, there are so many so many things that that veterans are doing like you mentioned like the yoga retreats there's there's hiking clubs there's uh, uh hunting groups and like they do all sorts of different things that you wouldn't even think of but they you know fishing trips or whatever they but they get outside and they they get away from uh social media and the screens and the devices that we are all carrying around with us everywhere, right? They just get out and get back into nature. And that has like a healing effect by just getting back outside and, and doing something, you know? Yes. And I mentioned, and I know I mentioned it on your podcast too, where it's like realizing that while talk therapy does have its benefits, it's just one piece of this huge puzzle that comes with healing and the, the fact that there are so many options out there to help getting people outside and breathing in fresh air and <laughs> all the things is so important. Um, so I totally lost my train of thought with where I was going with my other question, but I guess my, my next thing would be uh, for anyone who's possibly dealt with similar experiences, whether it's from trying to get back to some state of normal after deployments or loss of a loved one. Is there any pieces of advice you would give to kind of help push forward or to be able to acknowledge that there is a light at the end of the tunnel? That's a good light. 
Yeah. Well, you know, early on after uh, my brother was killed, everyone kept saying that there's going to be this new normal. And I, at the time, I hated that phrase. I didn't want to believe that this would ever be normal. Um, but you kind of have to accept the fact that if you've lost a loved one, they're not going to come back. And the way that I, especially early on, the way I wrap my head around that fact was if my brother was to get on a plane and fly to the other side of the world and he just wasn't physically here, I knew he was somewhere, but not physically here. I could be okay with that. You know, he's, he's on vacation in Europe or something. He, he can go someplace and he's not here, but I, I'm okay knowing that he's wherever he is. And that's how I, I was able to wrap my head around uh, him being gone for good uh, is that, you know, my, my faith, my, my belief in, you know, heaven and, and things like that. I, I believe that he's in another place. It's just not here. And I just have to be okay with that. Um, and so that's the quote unquote new normal that I've learned to live with. Um, as, as much as I hated that term and I, I pushed back against it, I was like, no, this is never going to be normal. Um, that's just the reality. And it, and it has to be a new normal. You can't expect that the normal when that person existed in your life, lived in your house, or you know was there with you day after day after day, you can't expect that same normal to ever exist again because they're not here. They're not going to be there. So you have to look at it as, okay, yes, it's terrible. Yes, it's a tragedy. Yes, it sucks and it hurts and it's painful. But look at the stuff that's around you. Look at what you do have to be grateful for. If you have kids or if you have uh, you know, somebody else in your life that you can be grateful for, uh, look to them and, and be like, okay, I, I don't have that other person in my life, but I do have them and I'm grateful for that. And now my life is going to be devoted towards making those connections even stronger. And, and you can, you can work on it that way. And that becomes the, the quote unquote new normal uh, for you. And, and it helps to just accept the fact and not fight it, but accept the fact that this person is not coming back um, as, as hard as that may be at first. Um, Cause I know for me, it, it was, I was in a state of shock and disbelief at, at first, never even occurred to me while I was deployed that something that bad could happen to my brother, because that's the type of thing that just happens to other people, right? Like yeah. that's the way I always thought of it. And you know, life hits you really quick when you become those other people. And now all of a sudden your family is the one that's on the news and, and uh, you're, you're, uh, you know, my brother's face is, is the one that's being plastered all over the, the television and, and the newspapers and everything like that. So it's reality hits you really quick. And um, you know, it, especially when you, when you have this, uh, sense of delusion that nothing bad could ever happen right something bad could happen and we're all we're all human something bad could happen to any one of us um you know it 
it just is what it is, right? Yes, I like that. That's true. And I think too, it's it's always, oh, it would never happen to us. <laughs> and then it has, and you're like, okay, well now I have to figure this out. Um, are there any last minute things you'd like to share with the audience or any things you have upcoming you'd like to share? Or you know, I would I, I would just love to, yeah, I'd love to just let people know that um, you know, if you're out there and you're struggling with with grief or PTSD or whatever it is that you're struggling with, you're not alone. Uh, there are other people who have gone through very similar things, if not the same thing. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly what everyone's going through, so I can't say it's exactly the same, but there are other people who have gone through it. And more importantly, other those people who have gone through it, they've they've gotten better. There is hope. So don't give up hope on yourself or your family or or whatever. Um, the world is a brighter place with you in it, uh, no matter what your brain is telling you, um, it, it is always a, a brighter place with you in it. So don't give up hope. Um, and for the people who are uh, interested in getting a copy of my book, it's available on Amazon uh, in any format that you might want to consume it in, ebook, e paperback, hardcover, and uh, just recently released as an audio book. Um, so all the formats are there. Um, and I'll have that in the show notes as well. Excellent. Thank you. And then and then the podcast again, Drive On Podcast, uh, where we talk to a lot of military veterans and uh, uh, Gold Star families and people who provide resources to the military community to help with whatever it is that you might be going through. So if you're, if that sounds like something you might be interested in, you feel free to check that out as well. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Scott. It's been wonderful to hear from you. And I will, again, add all of his information to the show notes so you can follow him along from there. So once again, that was Scott Deluzio, who was my guest today. He is the author of Surviving Son in Afghanistan, War Veteran Reveals His Nightmare of Becoming a Gold Star Brother. He is also the podcast host of Drive On Podcast. Both of those will be in my show notes, both his personal website for his book and the Amazon option for Kindle, audiobook, all of those things. And if you happen to be interested in being a guest on my podcast, I would love to get connected. I have my email in the show notes, info at fromgrieftogold.com. You can also connect with me on the social media platforms at From Grief to Gold. I'd love to hear from you and your story that you would like to share about the healing process of whatever form of grief that you have been dealing with and healing from. And if you would like to support the podcast, I also have a book called A Series of Flashbacks, Darkness Within. Would love to, uh, you know, have you buy my copy. I just finished the Kindle version, so that's very exciting. If it's officially ready, which it should be, I will be adding that to the show notes. Otherwise, you can order a copy from Spousely, and I have those also in the show notes. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't gone and binge listened to the other episodes, please go do so. I know you're not that busy. Um, I'm just kidding. You're probably really busy or you're procrastinating. I should be in bed right now. Um, I procrastinated on getting this ex extra X. What, what is an, so there's an intro. What's the ex export? I don't know. 
All right, well, before I make this awkward, more awkward, I'm just going to end this now. Thank you once again for joining me. Thank you for listening to Scott Deluzio share his story. He's an incredible human being, and you should definitely check out his podcast. But with that being said, I'm going I'm to go ahead and, uh, and end here. So I'll get better at these extras, I swear. Okay, I just had to add one more thing. I, I Googled it. It's an intro and an outro. So if your brain is running slowly like mine is, now you know. The more you know. Intro and outro, not extra. <laughs> I think I had in my head like exit, <laughs> but it's fine. Everything's fine.